Hey y'all, it's Abriana here. I am a little under the weather, but I am on the come up, so I apologize for my voice. But today we are speaking with Angelica Witherspoon Casanova, the author of Clip Clop Chronicles. Today, Angelica shares with us her experience as a writer and a rider. She rides dressage and she writes books. I mean, come on now. Multi-talented equestrian women. I hope you enjoy this episode and be sure to check out www.clipclopchronicles.com. You are listening to Young Black Equestrians, the podcast with your hosts, Abriana Johnson and Caitlin Gooch. So, Angelica, welcome to an uh, episode of Young Black Equestrians, the podcast. Uh, We are very delighted to have you on our uh, podcast today, tonight. So thank you for joining well, thank us. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Yes, yes. Me too. <laughs> so we usually start each episode off with just sharing something that we are thankful for today. So if you want to, Angelica, go ahead and share something that you are thankful for today. Oh, that's nice. Um, well, one, I'm thankful that I was able to reach out to you all and be a part of this your podcast and your audience that's super uh that's a really neat thing um so thank you for that but also i'm thankful for i just left a council meeting in my one of the towns that i live near and they just selected their first african-american councilwoman over like the course of you know 100 years or something like that and i was there for her swearing in so you know that's you know you don't always get to see those type of things in history Mm -hmm. i'm glad that i was able to be there and I'm thankful that I'm you know part of the number that was able to witness that historic event that is pretty awesome yeah it is pretty awesome all right Caitlin what are you thankful for today I am thankful for um my family once again because we are in between transfer and Haley school and because of the holiday it's been taking up a lot more time so Haley has still been able to stay in school until we can actually get her here so she won't miss a day of school because she's going to start her new school on Wednesday so I'm thankful for them just stepping in uh well my mom and my dad stepping in to help yeah yeah Wednesday like this week yep she'll start her new school oh Haley moving too I know. <laughs> How about you? What are you thankful for? Um, I am thankful for staff that follows directions and that don't complain. Um, we had a outbreak at the pet resort um two weeks ago while I was on vacation. So we had to shut down the majority of our services and we just had the Thanksgiving holiday, so we were completely booked. We had 98 dogs and four cats, and um, and everything was clean, you know, pretty much top to bottom. And the staff, I mean, they, they did the work. I mean, it sucked, 
the chemicals suck, they stink. Um, it was a lot of scrubbing, um, you know, just trying to kill any bacteria on the surfaces, any fomites, anything like that. So I'm just thankful for them. And because of that, we had a pretty successful Thanksgiving fully booked holiday um, and nobody got sick so far that we know of. Um, and, and nobody is, you know, angry at us and all of our clients were really, really nice about it. So I am thankful for those people because I would not have been able to make it through the holiday without their help. So that's what I'm thankful for. That's all right. Yeah. Awesome. So Angelica, do you want to start off with kind of just telling us about yourself, um, kind of where you're located and if you ride horses and how you got into them? Okay, yeah. Um, so currently, well, I'm a rider and a writer mm -hmm. uh, that's currently in Florida, although I split my time between California and Florida, so I've been here for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I do ride horses, and uh, currently I'm riding a, um, a couple of uh, dressage schoolmasters. So one is a Westphalian named Rooksook. He's He's pretty cool. He's got a lot of buttons that he can press, and he's super fun to ride. And then there's another one, um, a Hanoverian named Gusto, and he is just the sweetest thing as well. Um, let's see. How did I get into riding? Is So I lived, I grew up in the country, and we have, you know, there's a lot of livestock here, a lot of cows, a lot of horses, chickens, goats. Um, so one day, I believe I was probably around six years old, I was coming home from church with my aunt, and she saw uh, two people that she knew riding horses along the street. So she pulled over to say hello, and they were like, you know, do you want to get on? And I said, sure. I, I, I was somewhat in awe by how big they were, but I wasn't afraid of being near them, being near a horse or getting on him. And we just walked around, you know, it was like a little pony ride mm -hmm. at the time. But um, after that, it was like, I'm going to read every book about horses. I'm going to watch every movie about horses. Mm -hmm. I'm going to draw horses. And I think my parents thought it was a phase, which is why they didn't give me lessons for some time. But mm -hmm. uh, once they did, uh, the rest is history. So that's when I started writing. And when I was younger, I did like Hunter Jumper. Um, and then I got injured, not from horses, but um, something completely different. Um, and I was, before that, I was writing in eventing lower level so then I got hurt and then once I was able to ride again um I just focused on dressage mm -hmm. that's what I've been doing since then awesome do you just do that leisurely as well or do you compete I used to compete right now it's just leisure but I think well not I think in the future I would like to get back into eventing um the lower levels not anything higher than training because I've uh, volunteered at like Red Hills Horse Trials, and I see those jumps, and they're not—they're not nothing to sneeze at. So maybe yeah. like up to training level, but I would like to get back into showing and competing and get back to that level. But um, on occasion, I'll go to a, a little schooling show for dressage mm -hmm. in the meantime. Mm -hmm. So, um, what are some challenges that you may have faced as a minority in the horse industry, if any? Um, 
think there's two that I can think of. The first is being underestimated, mm-hmm. um, especially at horse shows when I used to compete, or when I still compete. Um, there's always like a, a lot of side eye. Not so much now. Well, it depends on the show, but there's a lot of side eye. And, you know, when you're getting your horse ready for before the show, you can get dirty, you can get, you know, disheveled or whatever. Um, and people will see that and look at you and say, mm, what are you doing here? Or mm, can you bring me some hay to my stall as if I work there? Right. And only to get into the ring and beat them, which was like, then they want to be your friend. So it's like a lot of that mm-hmm. underestimating that's like, you know, just we're going to ride horses. Let's just, let's just ride horses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second challenge would be isolation because of that because of that, you know, underestimating. Mm-hmm. There are, don't get me wrong, I have friends that are horse riders, but uh, there was a time where it was like, mm, we don't know if we want to be your friends. So it was just like, okay, well, I guess I'll just be here with the horse because he doesn't care right. that I'm a chocolate child. Yeah. So, yeah. Those are, that's mostly the things that I've run into as a, you know, challenges in the equestrian world. Yeah. I wish that would just dissolve because it's so irrelevant now. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're there right. in these spaces, I mean, clearly you're there for a reason and you probably know just as much or maybe even more than the people that you're around. Mm-hmm. Right. And almost you, you almost have to do better because, you know, it's just like in the world, excuse me, um, there's a lot of underestimating of people that aren't like them or that don't look the same way as they do. So. Mm-hmm. That is the truth. That is the truth. So we haven't, I guess, jumped in it yet, but the reason why Angelica is on our podcast today is because she is, like she said, a writer and a writer and she sent us some copies of her book, Clip Clop Chronicles, Stories of a Girl and Her Horse Adventures. So I just wanted to talk about that, about the book specifically, and also kind of just the process. And um, you you already said it. I wanted to talk about this term, chocolate child. I love it. I love it in the book. Um, what kind of made you come up with that? Well, Chocolate Child specifically, or the book? Uh, Chocolate Child specifically for now. So, it's kind of been something that our family has done since I was little. We'd be like, oh, she's chocolate, she's vanilla, she's caramel. We just equate people to sweets. So, (laughs) and I thought that was, I always liked that, and it was a fun thing to, you know, that's how we respond to, or that's how we call each other. So, I said, why wouldn't I make my character also feel like she's a chocolate child because you know chocolate sweet who doesn't want chocolate caitlin caitlin does not like chocolate <laughs> <laughs> no caitlin chocolate is okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what of our um family members calls my daughter my oldest daughter they call her the chocolate baby <laughs> <laughs> but then you love your baby but yes. you do love chocolate <laughs> <laughs> In that sense, I guess she can get with it. (laughs) 
But yeah, so what what was your vision behind Clip Clop Chronicles? It's it's I mean it's the story. I I'm on chapter eight. I'm like barely in it, but um, you know it's the story of Roz Stone and kind of her her horse adventures. I'm I'm kind of disappointed with her because her lawnmower was was you know destroyed and that was her means of income so i that's where i am in the book but um you know what what kind of inspired you to write this book well it's uh it's interesting because my um i guess mentor at the time um because i write generally feature scripts or tv scripts and that kind of thing but she was like you know there's another way to get into the door is to write a book, get a following, and then have, you know, that's a different way to go about getting where you want to go. And I told her, I was like, I never thought about writing a book. Honestly, it feels like a lot of work. I don't know if I want to. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I think you should. And you should write about, I don't know, what she, I can't remember what she said, but she was like, something random. And I said, well, oh, and she said, you can use this money to buy your first house. That's what I did with my book. And I said, oh, well, I could buy a bunch of horses. And she was like, you ride horses? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the same, like a, uh, that's you? And I said, yeah. So she was like, you should write a book about you and all of your black friends riding horses. And I said, well, I don't know what that feels like. Cause I don't have a lot of black friends who ride <laughs> horses. And I didn't go up with a bunch of black friends riding horses. Mm-hmm. I was the only one. Mm-hmm. So she said, well, you should write a book about that, your experiences as a black rider in the world of horses mm-hmm. and so I said okay I think I could maybe do that and it also was a challenge that I wasn't wasn't really looking to do but I said well I, I'll, I'll give it a try and then once I started writing it I was like you know this is nice because when I was growing up there wasn't that many books about people of color riding horses if any mm-hmm. uh, I believe there was like the saddle club at some point yeah but they didn't ever it was never talked about like her uh her being black or anything like that or her family so much it was just kind of like it was all horses which is great for me at the time Mm -hmm. but I figured there's got to be other little horse girls out there that would like to read a story about a little black girl riding horses so that's that, that kind of pushed me forward to keep keep with the book and keep pushing on with the story and then so hopefully some little black girls out there have read it and love it and want to ride or I've had um, some friends tell me that their students have read the book and they aren't writers but now they're like oh I can ride a horse because this little girl in this book rode a horse Mm -hmm. so that kind of thing like that is what makes it kind of worthwhile and what makes it fun and it's kind of like I want to do it and keep doing it. Right, right. Um, it's funny. I was flipping through the book, um, and I just happened to land on a page. I want to say it was chapter eighteen, if I remember correctly. But a name um, caught my eye, and it was Felicia Chandler, and she yeah. was actually on our podcast um, a few episodes ago. So I was just like, oh my gosh, look at that. 
<laughs> Somebody we yeah, know. I, um, yeah, I asked her, I um, reached out to her and I was like, you know, I wrote a book, you're in it, can I send you a copy? And she was very gracious and took it and stuff. Yeah, that was, I wanted to let little girls know that also they're like real life black people out there riding horses. Right. And she's, she's one of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She's awesome. We have the same personality type, I feel, based on our Facebook interactions. So I really enjoy her. She is awesome. Yeah, I, I enjoy her. Um, so tell us more about, like, the writing process. Like, um, because, you know, I've, I've published two um, children's books, short, short little stories, um, and, you know, there's so many ways to go about publishing a book. So tell us kind of what route you took, um, as far as publishing for Clip Clop. Well, initially I went the traditional route. I was sending out, um, query letters and reaching out to managers and agents and all of that. And I did that, um, for a good year. And it was, you know, several, not maybe several hundreds, but a good amount of people that I reached out to. And I always got the same response. It was like, um, good writing. It's a nice story, but it's not what we're, what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. You know, it's fine. That's cool. And then at the end of that year, it had been a rough year all around. And so that was when I decided to look into self-publishing and see how that would go. Um, and it took a little while for me. And while I'm still sending out these query letters, I was like, you know, I really just want people to read this book. Um, if it's just 50 people or millions of people, mm -hmm. I got to get it out there somewhere, mm -hmm. some way. And so that's why I eventually, you know, ultimately landed on self-publishing for this particular book. Because um, it was like, you know, you're telling me that it's a good writing and it's a good story. So other, you know, people must want to read it or people might want to read it. Right. Um, so that was when I said, listen, for maybe for this one, maybe in the future it'll get picked up. Hopefully it does. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes we got to open our own doors and, make things happen and that's what I was that was what my thought process was at the time yeah. so that's when I went through uh, self-publishing and which is it's great I guess um because you know people are out there doing your thing you they stay in control of everything yeah. you know, you're also in control of marketing which is the thing that would be nice to have from a big publishing house right uh, back in you but right it, it, it has its pros and cons so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I felt that this wasn't the only story now that I've, you know, I wrote the book. I was like, well, if I wrote one, I could write others. Right. There are plenty of other stories that I have in me that may be more suited to a book as, as opposed to film and television. And I said, you know, this isn't the only opportunity I'll have to get a traditional public publishing deal. So why not put it out there, open some doors for myself? to see what happens right right i completely completely agree with that um did you go through amazon publishing yeah so the first one um was through create space before mm -hmm. they shut it down mm -hmm. so but so which is owned by amazon but yeah yes. yeah um 
and then I also put it on Ingram Spark uh, so that they could get it. They wouldn't stock it on the shelves on both Barnes and Noble, but you could go to the desk and order it because right. it has a specific ISBN um, through Ingram Spark. That's like their thing. Mm-hmm. So, and then I also put it on like you know a bunch of digital platforms outside of Kindle. I did not do the um, the KDP the. Yeah, the Kindle Direct Publishing. Select or something like that, where they have the only digital rights. So what if people don't have a Kindle? If they have a Nook, I'd still like them to be able to read it. Right, right, yeah. I think I I did not choose that option. Yeah. Um, Because I I can still sell it as an e-book on Amazon. Mm -hmm. But also, I think I went through draft draft to digital or... Yes, I think that's what it's called. Anyways, they put it on a bunch of different other platforms mm-hmm. outside of Kindle. Right. So, and then I, um, I had a friend, thankfully, that had the mother who's a librarian. Mm-hmm. And so they were able to get it into uh, the county that basically the, the book is set in, into mm-hmm. the libraries are there. So. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so, um... I know a lot of people ask me when I'm talking about Cowgirl Cameron, but Roz pretty much represents who you are and your, these are, you know, your personal stories coming up. Yeah, well, most of them. A lot of them are embellished, but Mm -hmm. most of them are um, steeped in uh, truths. It's funny because my aunt, after she read the book, she got mad at me because she was like, why would you do that? You disappoint your parents. Not giving out any spoilers for the book, but she was yelling at me and I was like, it's fake. It's not <laughs> me. So she still wouldn't, she wasn't trying to have it. She was like, I know that that's you. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of, um, a lot of bits and pieces of my life in the book. Right. That's Rod's Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a, I say the same thing. Like, I've never had a herd of a llama and an alpaca. I mean, not a llama, an alpaca and a miniature donkey <laughs> and a mini horse. Like, no, I didn't have all those animals all together, but <laughs> I have interacted with all of them. So it's easy to convey their personality. But, um, but yeah. She doesn't have them all yet. Yeah, I don't have them all yet. <laughs> now that I wrote the book, it's like, well, I need them in real yeah, you life. Have to get them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The miniature donkey might be the very last one because those jokers. Oh my gosh, they're the best miniature donkeys. I just, I, I used to live with one and I used to have to walk around in my apartment in the dark because if I turn my light on, he would scream. So. <laughs> he lived inside? No, 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 he, no, but I lived in an apartment over a garage that you could see from the barn, and so he would watch for me to turn my light on, and then, like, six o'clock in the morning, be like, ha, ha, and I just was like, you know what, I have mini donk PTSD a little bit, so that would be the last thing, (laughs) but, um, Yes. So what strategies are you using to market your book? A lot of social media, well, social media Mm -hmm. and like um, 
I've hired a couple of social media people because I, I, I'm not the best social media person. Mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully, you can hire people do that to do that stuff for you. Yeah. Uh, I've also had people here on the ground, like in real life, that are uh, like event planners. So we we hold little events for like book signings, and I've gone to schools to talk to the kids and read from the books and one a couple of classrooms that was like their book for the semester so mm-hmm. uh, they were reading the book with the teacher and at the end of the semester I showed up and they were like oh my gosh she's here and so then they tell their friends and so you know I try and do a little bit of um a little bit of digital but a little bit of in life in person as yeah. well yeah so a lot of Facebook stuff which You'll probably be ramping up now that the second one's coming out, but um, on some Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have the website. And, you know, yeah. Steer people in real life to the digital life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Who did your cover? Um, A person on Fiverr, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, I worked with. I have a um, a minor. My bachelor minor is in graphic design. Okay. So I was like, I can do it, but I don't really want to. Yeah. So I hired somebody to do it, and after a long, long process, we were able to get what I liked and yeah. able to. And I just really wanted the picture. Somebody told me once, once I finished the book, um, that are you going to just put a picture of a horse on the front? Because otherwise, people might not read it if there's a black person on the front. Mm. I was offended by that. Because I was like, I read a bunch of books that have not black people on the cover and have no problems with it. I read the back. It sounds like an interesting story. I'll pick it up. Mm -hmm. So this person said that, and I said, you know what? I specifically now want somebody that looks like a black person on the front of the cover. Right. Just so that we can, you know, have some representation because it didn't seem like something that was important to her, mm-hmm. but it is important. So. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I mean, she can have a little friend. That's fine because she does have friends in the book. But, you know, the Afro Puffs was like, some little black child is going to look at that and say, that person kind of looks like me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I wanted. Especially Afro Puffs. That's the go-to. <laughs> I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Cowgirl Cameron, now, I, I'm going to have to have a whole separate book of Cowgirl Cameron hair because I feel like I have, I'm have. i doing my own hair every time I have to draw her. <laughs> She's got Afro Puffs in this next one. I'm like, girl. Anyway, but yeah, I, I really, really like like the um the cover of the book it's it's pretty awesome um thank you so let me think caitlin do you have any questions for her yes um have you started on another one yet <laughs> um yes the the next one honestly will be out this month oh, so yeah. and the, we're just uh i'm actually i just got an email from the person who's designing the cover um, mm-hmm. so the cover is almost where it should be and 
uh, it's in layout now, and yeah, so pretty soon here, hopefully we'll be having the volume two, Clip Clock Chronicles volume two. That's awesome. Was this process faster than the first? Absolutely not. It was, <laughs> it was a lot slower, <laughs> surprisingly. Um, I think the first one, it was just kind of like, I have to get it done. Just mm-hmm. to say that I can, just to see that I can do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This go around was like, okay, I can do it. But do I want to do it right now? There's other things I need to write also. Um, that said, it was almost finished maybe a year ago. And I read it and decided I didn't like it. So I scrapped it and started over. Mm-hmm. So it probably should have taken the same amount of time, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm happier with this story. So hopefully everybody will be too. Yeah. Well, that's good. Because I know earlier how you were talking about the cover, you wanted it how you wanted it. So at least you're not just, you know, putting out something um, that you don't like. <laughs> I don't know right. how many times that happens, but I'm glad you're not doing it. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm not putting it out just to churn out content. I really want people to connect with the characters and, you know, take little nuggets out into the real world that they can use. Mm -hmm. So if it's not something I would, I would, you know, read, why would I put it out? Right. Right. So what is your, what is your day job? Like, you said you are writing scripts and stuff? Yeah. So that's the like um that's kinda like the side day job currently. <laughs> uh, there's so many so many jobs. Um, same. <laughs> yeah, that, that that is unfortunately the life of a an artist until mm-hmm. they can only do art for work. Um Yeah. But so currently, I do a bunch of different things. We'll just say that. I do a bunch of different things. Also, I'm learning how to code so that I can, if I got to do other things other than art full-time, mm-hmm. until I can do my art full-time, at least I can do something that's, like, useful and uh, yeah. lucrative. Yeah. We should say that. Definitely, yeah. Technology is the place to be. Yeah, it, it is. is. It is. Very much so. So, what advice would you give? Um, I, I I will make this a two-part question. What advice would you give someone who is an aspiring equestrian? And then, what advice would you give someone who is an aspiring writer? Well, for the aspiring equestrian, I would say ride as many horses as you can um it's really nice to have the same horse and get have that connection with the same horse and you know know his ins and outs and know you're having a good day but it's a totally different thing to be able to ride a bunch of different horses or any horse and i'm not talking about maniacs where you know you have to be highly trained to take care of it. i'm just talking about any horse in the barn or a friend's horse or if you want to hop on somebody else's horse and show them um, like in college in the intercollegiate equestrian 
um, association, that's what they do. They just pull out a name mm-hmm. and you ride. You have like five minutes to feel out your horse and then you go. So, you know, if you're trying to be in a question, there's nothing like riding a bunch of different horses. Like the two horses I told you, the Westphalian and the Hanoverian, mm-hmm. they're both large, warm bloods that do dressage. And they are both completely different rides mm-hmm. and completely different feels. And there's also a, um, a, a, a tiny Arabian that's being retrained because he was rescued. Um, and he's totally different from obviously the other two. So if, as many horses you can get on, that's definitely, I would say, number one. Um, number two, try different disciplines. Um, you know, I, I'm, I grew up riding hunter jumpers and went into eventing, but when I was in college, I got the opportunity to ride some barrel horses and we did poles and it was really fun. I didn't realize I would like it so much. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, I always thought that gated horses were really neat um, until I rode one. And it was a neat ride, but it was odd. And I didn't really want to do it ever again. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I mean, much power to the people who ride gated horses. It's cool to watch, but for me, it was just kind of like a, uh, I don't know. I want to try it or I want to do something different. Yeah, I have a walking horse, so (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) Right, but, like, I didn't know that until I tried it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, try different disciplines. And you you might be like, oh, I want to ride barrels, or I want to do dressage, or I want to jump. Well, you know, try those things before you feel like, ah, I'm in it to win it. Mm -hmm. Um because hunters are a lot different from jumpers, you know? So just try different disciplines. Don't be afraid. And then, let's see. Oh, ride without stirrups as much as you can. Maybe not all the time, but it's a different, different, and I'm, you know, ride bareback, which Mm -hmm. is completely different from riding without stirrups. Mm -hmm. But they both give you a different, yeah, they both give you a different type of balance a different type of feel and different type of posture in the saddle. Mm-hmm. So I think those are probably three things I would tell a, an inspiring equestrian. Those are great, and, great things. <laughs> so for an aspi- oh. aspiring writer who wants to publish their writer. book and, you know, get yeah. their name out there. Any tips and tricks for them? Uh, write a lot of bad stuff. <laughs> Just write it. Just write everything. <laughs> uh, I hate to say the cliche thing, but like all of my professors were like, writing is only rewriting. So mm-hmm. it's never going to be the right thing right out the box, right out the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to write about a lot of bad stuff and you know, work on it um, and write every day. And then write, you know, write something that you really like or something that's kind of true to you. Everybody has a story to tell, so don't, I wouldn't get caught up with, uh, unless somebody's paying you to do it, mm-hmm. which is when you get to that point, then you write what they tell you to write. But <laughs> up until that point, write things that are true to you and write things that you would want to 
want to read. And even if it's not something that you, like say, you're not into writing, but you find it interesting, write it from that point of view where you're like somebody that's just coming into writing. Or, um, just, you know, as an example. Yeah. But, but mainly just write a bunch of bad stuff mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> and don't be afraid that it's going to be garbage because it is going to be garbage. Yeah. A lot of my stuff is garbage. And I don't, you know, you don't stop because it's not good. You just keep working at it, keep chunking at it. Mm-hmm. Every day. That I feel is... like everything you just said is majority of what we needed to hear when we were in, like, high school, college. <laughs> yeah. You know, basically, yeah. it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to turn out how you want it to turn out. But do it anyway yeah. and get better at it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and like for clip crop, I would say you know it is frustrating that I got a bunch of rejection letters and you know that I'm not J.K. Rowling yet, but (laughs) yet yet is the main the main word there yet. Like you know how how often how many times she was rejected until and not for nothing when she was doing it there was no like real avenue for self publishing right. So we kind of have an advantage to be in here now. And I'm not saying that everything that is self-published is gold. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, those people had enough faith in themselves to put something out there to the world. So I'm sure there are plenty of people that think Crop Crop Earth is not the greatest book ever. That's fine. Don't read it. Mm-hmm. Um but it's out there, you know, that's the, I think that's one of the hardest things as a, a writer or an artist is that, uh, you know, it's hard to put yourself out there. It's hard to get rejected. It's hard to have people criticize something that you've worked hard for, but the alternative is just putting it in a box somewhere in your closet. I don't think so. Right. That's, that's useless. That's a waste of your time. Right. That, yep, I agree. Don't be afraid to fail. Yes, do not be afraid to fail. That's that's why I tell people like when I released the first Cowgirl Cameron book, they're like, "Oh, why didn't you tell us you were writing a book?" And I'm like, "Do you realize how much anxiety I had about publishing something?" Yes. You know, yeah. I just you just have to get it out there sometime. Just say, "Bleh," like this is it, and then just see what yeah. happens. And, you know, at this point, it's just opened up so many more doors um, that, you know, I definitely don't regret it. Was the very first book, you know, amazing? No, but it did several things that I wanted it to do. Showing representation, um, you know, has a curly head girl on the, on the front, you know. It's just, you know, I have kind of certain goals that I'm trying to, get out there with the series that I'm like okay that first one yeah it was it it could have been better but you know it was the first one we got a million to go <laughs> right and you learned from that mm-hmm. and people read your book and now it's on people's show somewhere like that's a legacy in and of itself mm-hmm. doesn't matter how it got out there yeah yeah I completely agree well, um, thank you so much for talking to us today. If you want to um, kind of give us your 
your your shout out to all your you know your website your social media and stuff so people can follow clip clop we can you know stay up to date on the launch of the second book stuff like that so if you want to give us your social medias and your website i'd be glad to um it's clip clop chronicles that's clipclopchronicles.com um, we're on Facebook under Clip Pop Chronicles and on Twitter at Clip Pop Book. Clip Pop Book. Um, okay. So follow us, keep in touch, buy the next book, buy the first book, buy mm-hmm. both books for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. Buy, buy all, all the, the books. books. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Caitlin. That was so funny. We just said that at the same time. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, well, thank you so much, Angelica, for talking to us today. I can't wait to finish this book because I feel like I'm reading about myself. And I love it. I can't wait for Haley to read it when she gets here because it's going to be the book that she reads, you know, to do her 20 minutes a day. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure she would be able to see her. I would be happy to be her 20 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, responding and getting back to me and having given me this honor to be on your your podcast. And uh, good job for what you guys are doing to bring the community together of chocolate writers and that we're not alone. Yes, so, yes. Shout out to you guys. I'm going to have to make a chocolate writer's t-shirt. I know. Wait, <laughs> let me make it. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so funny. <laughs> All the chocolate dreams are coming true. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Thank you for listening to Young Black Equestrians, the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for updates. Listen, rate, and review us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Tune in next week for another episode.